Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's April 21st, 2017, and you're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Is it really April 21st, or is it uh, what I like to refer to as the Embarrassment Tour 2017? I'm not sure what's going on <laughs> these next few weeks. Almost sounds like a John Oliver skit. It you does. I do want John Oliver. Yeah, to remind folks that uh, we are on the cruise to Barcelona, although we're actually not on it, depending on when you're listening to it. But since we can't do a normal show, we're doing special Hands of the Week episodes for the next uh, four episodes. So it's hands of the week. It's not hand of the weeks. <laughs> yes, it's like attorneys general. I know. It's like we, runs, we we runs batted in. All right, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> we've done this before. All right, so here's what I did is uh, I culled through all the hands of the week that we've had stored up. And, you know, we have a couple prolific hand of the weekers. Yes, right? yes, we do. Um, so each of these next four episodes will be two hands from one of the prolific Hand of the Weekers. And we are we are grateful for these prolific Hand of the Week submitters. Exactly. It made this possible. Otherwise, we would have had to, uh, you know, not fake extended the streak. <laughs> Damn you, Hand of the Week send people. <laughs> Stop sending in hands. Uh, and also, we are recording all these in one day. So by the last episode, you're going to notice a lot of fatigue here. So Yeah. So we might actually do some quality uh, analysis at that point because it won't be ourselves. <laughs> Because this is going to be embarrassing. It'd be like the uh, Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School at the End. You know, That's right. <laughs> four? Is that what he thinks? He's like, four? And then the guy's like, That's right. <laughs> Great movie. All right, let's jump right in. So, our, our prolific hand of the weaker for this episode is, of course, Vic G. Yes. I knew it was Vic and, G. Uh, he's always very organized with his hands. That's what I like. So, um, so uh, we'll jump right in here with hand number one. And uh, he says it's a nine-handed, $1, $2, no-limit hold'em game. The $400 max buy-in at his local Florida poker room. And uh, so the, he said, since this uh, room doesn't require you to post, I smartly wait until the button passes and I'm in the cutoff. I recognize two players at the table. Uh, Mike is on my left and on the button. He's a bit reckless. Knows me to be a better player, having stacked him twice in our home game this week. The other player is under the gun, plays somewhat tight, and doesn't like to gamble. Uh, this is my first hand, so other than observing the previous few hands, I have no reads on the rest of the table. It appears to be the usual crowd of Saturday night recreational players. And again, I sit with $400, and uh, Mike is the only player at the table that has me covered. Uh, Mike straddles to $5. Both blinds call, under the gun calls. Under the gun plus one raises to 25 and that player started the hand with squiggly 350. 
that he's a muscle-bound 20-something with a nervous look about him. <laughs> wow. Uh, and now it's folded to us, and we look down at Ace of Spades, Queen of Clubs. Well, we're not in position, or because we got our friend on the left of us who likes to straddle, so we don't even know what he might do. Um, geez. I don't think I'd re-raise, though. There's a lot of people in this hand. There's a straddler in the hand. There's a lot of stuff still up in the air. Um, maybe he'll fold and we'll have position. But the guy, look, you see, he looks nervous, right? He looks nervous, the guy who made the raise, so... Muscle-bound 20-something. <clears throat> Yeah, he, he, he nervous. He has a nervous look about it. Yeah, a nervous look means he looks nervous. So, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call and then be weary, but I don't think I'm gonna raise because it's it's ace queen. Let's 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 be honest. It's not it's not the uh, the gap the that uh, Davis Kalansky would talk of where you better have a better hand than the person who did the raising uh, to re-raise. So I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna probably call, but. This could be. A, I could argue to fold. To yeah. be honest with you, I could well, argue I for that. So you don't need to. You can argue to call because I'm going to argue to fold. Okay, I'll I'll call just so we're different. But I mean, I could see folding this hand. Believe it or not. Yeah, and here's why I like folding. Here is that you know the, we've talked about this on the show a lot. Ace Queen is a big leak in a lot of people's games. Now, a really good player can play Ace Queen well. Uh, I am not a really good player. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a leak in my game. And so what I'm looking at here is um, a player in, now obviously the, a straddle on, but a player in traditional early position has raised a 25 after a bunch of callers, right? Yeah. And then we have the straddler after us. Now, we, we do know the straddler, um, and he's been described as a bit reckless, um, even though probably a little cautious of, of us, but... Um, I'm worried about a re-raise from him. Yes. And then potentially a re-re-raise from the other player, at which point I'm going to have to fold his hand. So if I think there's a high degree of probability that I'm going to have to put more money in pre-flop with this, it seems to me that $25 is a waste. Um, and then additionally, um, other than two players that we know, we just sat down. And... I would rather wait to get into a, a, a difficult situation when I have a better handle on the table. Well, you know what? I totally agree now. That was easy. Next hand. <laughs> well, we're going to burn right through these, aren't that's, we? That's easy. So, I mean, seriously, I, I, I do think about folding this hand. So, you, you convinced me now. I mean, if I really went through what you just said, I may just lay this down. It's funny because every time, almost every time now, Scott, when I see ace-queen, or we discussed Ace Queen. I think of you because of that time we were at Derby Lane, <laughs> and you were playing in one of the Annie Poker Tour events or something, or it was something like that. And I was sort of sweating you on the rail, and I looked down and you had Ace Queen and you folded it, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And that's true. I mean, you you really had the discipline with this hand, and I I think I'm going to agree with you here. I think that this is the type of hand I can get into a lot of trouble or waste a lot of money that I don't need to put in there. Like you said, we just sat down. We waited for the button to pass. So it's like literally our first hand. So I think I am going to let it go. I, I changed my mind. I don't think I'm going to call either. Yeah, that's a big part for me is, you know, I might play this differently an hour into the session or two hours into the session when I have a better handle on it. But right now I just, you know, <clears throat> you know, smart people, smart players, Get into hands when they when they have the best of it and they know where they're going. They don't go into the weeds when they don't know what's laying there. So 
Um, I, I'm just happy to fold this. And then here's the other thing. If you fold this right now, you're going to be really invested in this hand in terms of paying attention, right? Yes. Which we should be in general, but let's be honest. We're always, you know, on the phone or watching the score on the TV or ordering a drink or something when we're not in the hands and we should be paying attention. This is a case where when you fold a hand like ace-queen here, uh, I think you're going to be extremely observant for how the rest of this hand plays out. And that being observant for that hand, assuming it plays out long enough to gain something from it, that to me is a, it's a better value than whatever we might possibly win by having to really outplay our folks with this too. Yeah. So that's another bonus. I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Our hero says, uh, this could easily be a move to steal from the limpers and punish the straddler. I know I do this often enough myself. Mike is yet to act and is the button straddler. He's a wild card, so I decided to call the $25 and proceed with caution. Yeah, you know, like I said, he may be reckless, but doesn't necessarily mean he's going to just come over the top with 80 bucks in the straddle. Um, so, you know, calling 25 I just don't see myself raising here. That is the thing. I don't. I really don't think this is a raising situation now. So, I mean, I don't fault the call, so, you know. Vic's a better player than I am, too, so, um, yeah, I'll just, I mean, I, I will go along with it, but I, I really did see a perfect reason for folding, so. All right. Everyone folds, and we're heads up. Wow. Oh, wow, crazy. Didn't see that coming. Uh, flop is the ace of clubs, king of hearts, eight of spades, and the villain quickly bets $25 into the $68 pot after rake is accounted for I'm writing it down here. Alright, so we've got a we've got our hip hair. Uh I tell you it's for some people it's difficult for them to bet into a board that has cards that didn't pair them when they're the initial um instigator in a pot. So when this person made that raise pre-flop, he's taking control of this hand. And if he had this nervous look on him, maybe he was nervous, but now he's confident enough to bet into this pot again when it has ace-king. So you got to eliminate underpairs because a lot of these people are nervous and they are not. They don't really have the gumption to bet when there's an ace and a king on the board if they have a smaller pair than that. So I'm going to think this probably hit him. It's whether or not, you know, he's got the same hand as us. Or if he's got Ace Jack, or something. Because other than that, we're beat. So I, I'm not folding. I didn't play Ace Queen to hit an Ace and fold. But maybe this is a situation where you raise now and find out, and then if the guy re-raises or whatever, you save money. Because on the next street, he's going to bet again if he's got you beat. And then so I'm not just going to call him all the way down. So this might be a situation where I I make it 75 and find out right now. And then if the guy calls and then checks, then we check and we've saved some money, control the pot, depending on what the turn is. And then, you know, maybe the river even hits us again, so we get another chance at another free card, sort of, to try to outpace this guy if he somehow has the same hand. And who, who knows? But if he has ace-king, he's not going anywhere and he's going to re-raise us, so we'll know probably pretty quickly. And if he has a set somehow, <clears throat> I wonder if he might even check that if he had a set. So... Maybe we rake a 75 here and just find out right now what's going on. Yeah, that's what I kind of like because, again, we talked about the leak in the game is that I've seen where you, the leak is here is that 
go all the way to the end um, with a weaker kicker, right? And find yeah. out I had ace king, and then boom. Um, so the fact that we're heads up now, obviously I'm not going to fold because we hit her ace, like you said. But I I want to find out right now whether I'm up against ace king or potentially aces kings or ace eight, something like that, or king eight, something like that. That's got to be. So I would rather go ahead and put that raise in now. And you're right, if we shoves over the top of us, to me at that point, that's an easy laydown. And I chalk it up to 75 bucks um, spent to not lose 400 <laughs> Right. Um, and uh, if he just calls, then, you know, hey, we've taken, we've now taken control of the hand and we have a lot of options on the turn, depending how things go. Um, and if he folds, hey, great, let's take the money now. Yeah, so, yeah. We want to get more out of him anyhow, unless he caught up to us. So, all right. Rivera says uh, if he has uh, ace king, ace ace, or king king, I'm in trouble. But if he raised with a hand like queen queen jack jack, or maybe even ten ten, I'm in good shape. And a raise now would scare him away. I decided to just call the twenty five and see what he does on the turn. Hmm. See, this is what I have. I'm, Vic is. I've always said this. Vic is a different player than I am. Um, and he's a more experienced player, and I've always given him credit for that. So we we always, almost always, we we are like two trunks of a tree here, right? Yeah. Because uh, he's looking at his hand completely different than I am. Uh, to me, uh, I I'm not I, scaring him away is not an issue for me. I'm happy to take down this pot right now. Um, but you know, uh, it, this is what separates the good cash players and the bad cash players is squeezing every bit of value out of every hand. So. Well, the question I have then is if, let's say, he does have jack-jack or queen-queen. So we're going to call. What exactly are we hoping for now? Because if the guy really did have the gumption, which I don't believe he did, but, you know, it also is hand of the week, so he has all the information with his comments, too. You know, it's not like we're recording his his thoughts in real time. This is what he sent to us afterward. Um, but, I mean, if if in real time... This guy really did bet with two overs to his queens or jacks, and we're ahead of him. All right, we call, but on the turn, unless he hits a jack, he's not betting. And then you're going to bet, and he's going to fold. So you're getting the same amount anyway, but, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, a re-raise might... I don't know. Maybe he's right. I, I'm just trying to figure out the thought process of a call here if he does have unders. Because all he's going to do is all you're going to do is let him catch up for his price, right? Because now he's only bet 25, and then if he catches up on the turn with the queen or the jack, you, he, if he has queens and he hit the case queen here, you're screwed. You're 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 down to one ace or two, you know, two aces for your you're out. So I just don't know. I mean, I, I I know what he's thinking here, but it's also hindsight too. You know, I I just don't know if that's the the thought process during this hand. <clears throat> um, I mean, twenty five was kind of a weak bet that this guy made, so maybe he did hit the ace and the king, and he's trying to keep you keep you along, um, or maybe it's a scared bet. You know, so it's it's hard to interpret that now. And I thought maybe a raise would find this information out rather than just calling and letting him catch up for free if we we are ahead. So. Not for free, but his price. So yeah. I'm well, tough. You know, my bigger problem with the call is that we don't get any information out of him, right? So it's very likely that he could have an ace. That seems very likely, right? So we're worried about ace-king right now. But what if he has ace-jack? Yeah. 
And then Jack comes on the turn now. Now, now we don't know whether... Now we got to figure out whether he has Ace-King or Ace-Eight or Ace-Jack now. Or Ace-Ten or whatever else he might have. Um, or any other range of hands. So, um, I think a raise here helps us figure it out a little bit more. Yeah, it seems as though the way Vic has presented this is that he's so confident now in his hand because of the information that came on that flop. It, it seems as though he's going with his read of a situation rather than letting the actions dictate now. You know what I mean? It, it like In other words, he, he said, okay, so if he had ace-king, blah, 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 but if he had jacks, now he, it's like, okay, he's he's already got an idea of what this guy has by a $25 bet. And I don't know if that's enough information for me to narrow it down to we're trying to extract now. You know, I just, I, I feel like, I, I feel like that's a, either a part missing in my game or something that's superhuman in him because I, I just don't know how I'm going to be extracting already when I could be crushed right now and the guy's just betting 25 because he doesn't want to lose you, but he knew he had to bet because he took control of this hand preflop. You know what I mean? So when Ace-King comes out and he flops top two, he's like, do I check now? It looks fishy, so I might as well bet. So I don't know. I, I It's just I can't narrow it down to me now value extracting. I can't do it this early in the hand. Um, but okay, so what happens? All right, um, 118 in the pot, and the turn is the Queen of Hearts. So our board now is Ace of Clubs, King of Hearts, Eight of Spades, Queen of Hearts, and again our opponent quickly bets fifty dollars. See, this is why I'm worried now because even though we've made two pair, now if we 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 put them on possibly queens or jacks earlier. So now we're we're crushed to two outs if it was queens, and we also could be crushed to ace king now, and that was the thing is the guy bet twenty five was happy to get a caller now he doubles his bet on the turn again so he's not afraid if he had jacks he's got three overs now and we called his bet so he doesn't have jacks so now he's either got a he could have a set of queens which would really be rare but and suck but it could possibly be because that's what we talked about earlier he talked about it. Possibility exists. <clears throat> or he can still have ace-king, and he's got us crushed. Well, the other thing, too, is jack-10. I mean, some people like to raise with jack-10. Yeah, I just don't know if he'd maybe well, but, would bet that but flop. But here's the thing. If maybe. he has jack-10, you need to make that C-bet most of the time anyhow, right? Right. Represent the ace-king, because, or the ace, for that matter, but definitely ace-king. Um, plus, you got the, the gut shot to back you up in case you get called, which he did, and then now he's hit it, so... Um, it's probably less likely than some other holdings, but this is, I think, kind of the problem with us not raising on the last street. If we raise in the last street with Jack-10, that would be a difficult call for him to make, right? Yeah, he's out of there. And then we could eliminate that from his holdings, but I don't think we can eliminate Jack-10 from his possible holdings now. Yeah, I agree. You can't eliminate that. I'd, I don't know if he would have had the gumption to bet there, but you're right. If, like I said earlier, he took control of the hand preflops. Now he felt obligated. That's why he only bet 25, but he did bet it. Now he's hit his gutter, so there, there. That hand has us beat. Ace King still has us beat. Sets of aces and kings has us beat. Sets of eights have us beat. There's a lot of hands that beat us, and I just can't be talking of extracting value now, especially. Um, I think I'll call because I have ace queen and I have two pair aces up, but uh, I'm not happy about it. I'm not raising now because now it's going to cost me. Yeah, I mean the way we played it, I think we have to call now because we did improve. So even if that improvement. 
is bad because we were up against Ace King. Now we still have an op a possibility of uh, catching up again on the river, right? If we right. catch the, another queen. So um, the way, by the way we played, I think we had to call now. It doesn't make sense to fold here now that we improved. And I mean, I guess you could raise at this point. Um, and if he had Ace King, maybe put some doubt in his mind that we might have the Jack 10. So maybe I could, Maybe I could uh, defend a raise here. Maybe that's what you need to do, the way it's played, rather than calling. I don't know. Because before it was going to cost us 75. Now a proper re-raise is going to, or raise is going to make it 150. Right. Plus we've already put in the 25 so and, and the original 25. So we're in the disband for 200. We're going to start with 400. I, I like controlling the pot here, calling, and then maybe he'll, if he doesn't have the absolute nuts, maybe he checks the river and we show down. You know, maybe maybe then you you know you're ahead and you value better or something, but I'm more confident, yeah. Yeah, and you save that money that you would have make it 150. Because let's say if you call here, then he checks, he could easily value bet for the hundred you were going to re-raise anyway on the end. So I, I like a call here. I don't I don't I do not like a raise because then the guy comes over the top. Now I I'm on a decision and I've lost my whole stack on ace queen. <clears throat> if he re-raises us again, so I like a call here. All right, uh, here it says, uh, while flop and turn bets were less than half the pot, recreational players aren't usually so aggressive. I'm still concerned about the three hands that beat me. I discard a possible Broadway gut shot draw as well as a set of eights. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Uh, again, I decide to call off 50 and see what he does on the river. Yeah, I, I don't disapprove of that. I mean, I just don't see a raise really. I, I see it could be disastrous if we raise there. Yeah. My only problem is him discarding the Broadway gutshot draw. I mean, I think that's still a possibility just because we, we haven't probed enough to figure it out. But right. Just because of the way the action went, that he it would have been a standard C-bet. I mean, otherwise, it would be hard to defend that. But, yeah. Um, with 218 in the pot, the river is the Ace of Diamonds, uh, completing a board of Ace of Clubs, King of Hearts, Eight of Spades, Queen of Hearts, Ace of Diamonds... Nice card for me as I'm no longer behind pocket kings and you can't hold pocket aces. I have the second nut and only trailing ace king. Uh, for a third time, the villain bets just under half the pot. He slides out a stack of red chips. It's now $100 for me to call. And my opponent has left himself about 150 behind. <laughs> I mean, if, if we have the ability to read players... And we have the ability to read situations, and we have the ability to put them on specific hands for these situations. We cannot discard Ace-King here. Nope. The man was under the gun, and he was sort of recreational. What do recreational players do? They pick up Super System, they don't get creative, or they read about stuff on the internet, and they learn of Big Slick. They know when you're under the gun with Ace-King, you raise with it. So... Ace King would, if you're a recreational player, and you're giving him all the attributes that Vic has given to this person, Ace King tells this story all the way through. He was confident to raise with it. He was confident to bet the flop. He was confident to bet again after we called, and now he's confident again to put another hundred out with that river. <clears throat> this guy doesn't have jacks. This guy doesn't have queens. He, you know, he might have queens full. He could have queens full. It's possible. But there's such a slim amount of hands here that 
would be playing it this way that we beat. So I'm not folding because I've got aces full of queens, but I, I mean, if the guy turns over something that we beat, I'm going to be thrilled, but I'm not going to be shocked if he turns over ace king. So right. I think I'm just going to call. I seem that's I think that's the most prudent uh, plan here because um, ace king is the most likely holding in my mind. Yeah, uh, there are other holdings, but it's the most likely. So um, it just seems like it's an unnecessary risk to make for me. Right, because if you shove, the only hand that's calling you is ace king. That right, exactly. So why shove? <clears throat> All right, uh, Mario says I really take some time with this. this uh, this decision, maybe a minute. I don't think I'm folding the second nut, even though ace-king feels like a distinct possibility. I don't usually see recreational players fire three bullets. I do, however, see them overvalue their hand. But what hands will call a raise that I can beat? I've been twisting in the wind the whole hand since I never raised to get information. I finally call, and my opponent tables the ace of hearts, jack of diamonds. Wow. It was Ace Jack. Table my full house and the $418 pot <laughs> put to me. He asked me what took me so long to call. He's pretty upset thinking I slow rolled him. I just tell him I was contemplating raising him. Good start to the night. Wow, Ace Jack. Well, this goes back to my concern with us not raising um, on the flop. Now, I don't know whether he would have gone anywhere at that point. Um, and in hindsight, we don't didn't want him to go anywhere because we had him beat at that point and we would get more value out of him, but by simply calling, we gave him an opportunity to hit that jack um, at a reduced price. Right. And it, yeah, you're right because the queen comes and helps us. But if the queen doesn't come and he's betting, we're folding. Maybe. Um, Possible. If it or comes if like the jack comes either on the turn or the river, then he's caught up to us when we had him beat. Yes. Yes. Cut the hand down, or or like I said, unlikely that we're going to shut the hand down there, but we're going to make him pay with the worst hand. At the time, and like you mentioned, and like he mentioned too, without any making of these raises, he didn't put them on any particular hand. So, even though he got the most out of this pot, he probably agrees that he probably could have played it a little better than he did, and he might have gotten less for playing it better, which is weird. Getting rewarded for not really pushing this guy where you should have, um, but hey, it worked out. Oh, Ace Jack. Very good. And that's the thing about the recreational player, too, is there's no way he's putting us on ace-queen or ace-king because why would he keep betting? Yeah, certainly the way we were playing it, too. So yeah. I guess to some degree it's probably possible that we made more money off this hand yeah. uh, playing it the way Vic did. Yeah, absolutely did. But the problem was, as as he mentioned and you mentioned, is that we were twisting in the wind at the end. We had really no idea where we were. We we just felt confident that we now had a boat. So. Yeah. Wow. Nice start. All right, moving on, hand number two. Uh, same table a few hands later. Mike has departed and was replaced by a new player. Uh, we're nine-handed, and uh, we have the big stack of 600 now. Uh, and we're in the small blind. The under-the-gun player makes it $7 to go. Um, <laughs> in parentheses, what do these $5 raises from under-the-gun players hope to accomplish when a standard raise is 12 to 18? It's a very good question. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, the entire table calls the $7, except for the button, and the action is on me. And he says, really, the button folded? <laughs> uh, and I look down at the six of diamonds, four of spades. Well, I mean, he just told 
everyone that the button was crazy for not calling. So <laughs> I guess we'll call the five bucks and hope the flop good. We got the right odds to do it. It's reminiscent of the hand I had a couple of weeks ago or I had six, nine of diamonds, but I was in position and everybody called. So you had to call and hope you flop big. So I'm obviously going to call the five bucks. I'm not going to re-raise because I'm out of position the rest of the hand, you know, and try to steal it. But sometimes I'll do that. But in a cash game like this, it's just not worth it. So I'll just call. Uh, now, I also caution people here that, you know, uh, I, I don't mind the call here as long as we're very disciplined about what, how we're going to proceed for the rest of the hand. So You never do that. Merely a six or merely a four is not going to be exciting to me on the swap. I'm going to need more than that. Have so. you ever have you ever cautioned our listeners to be cautious uh, going into a flop when you <laughs> have crappy cards? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he says, with $52 in the pot, it's only $6 to call, so I toss in the extra chips. I figure that I'm getting the right odds. I'm calling 100% of the time, even with these rags. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I forgot he was in a small blind, so yeah, 6 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Let's see what's going to happen here. Uh, the big blind then, three bets to $17, making it $10 more to go. Again, the entire table calls. Now there's $126 in the pot and only $10 for me to call. I'm still calling. Yeah, nothing's really changed other than uh, it's just gotten a little bit more expensive for us to fold this on the flop. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But he's right. I mean, now it's really now, I mean, for 10 bucks here, I mean, this is a hand that does have potential. I mean, this is not seven deuce. I mean, we get to see a nice five on this flop uh, paired with something else. Yeah. Uh, this hand could be very exciting for us. So yeah. at this point, I'm willing to put the 10 in. But again... Nothing, nothing else has changed about what I want to see on the flop. But it seems to me it's, it's worth a $10 lottery ticket here. Sure, why not? Especially since we're up to 600 after that ace-queen hand. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Vic says, I call the extra $10. There's just too, too many, way too many limpers to get through. Um, with $129 in the pot pre-flop after the rake is accounted for, the flop is a lovely four of diamonds, jack of diamonds, four of hearts. Nice. We're first act with seven players behind us. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not the, the type to, to, you know, worry about too much about monsters under the bed here. Um, but some things do concern me. There are diamonds with a lot of people calling these things, so they all have the kinds of hand, types of hands that are, you know, suited connectors and stuff. So suited generally means the same suit, so diamonds could be out there. So I'm not saying I'm not going to, but I, I'm I'm all for betting here because when you hit a hand hard and you got a preflop razor and you bet into them, they're supposed to have a hand there. So, you know, if the guy had queens or something, he thinks his way ahead. You know, you bet into him because he'll think you have a jack, and maybe you get all of his money. Um, but I'm not one for slow playing these these trips because you got all of these people behind you, and if it goes check all the way around, you give them a free card for a diamond. And if somebody's got diamonds, they're setting the pay. Maybe you check raise, but you know, I'm not one for milking this. I don't mind betting into a hundred and something dollar pot, hundred almost hundred and thirty dollars. You know. To, to make a stab at it. People might say, oh, this guy's not have anything. And then if they got an overpair, or even if they have something like 10s, they might still think they're good. Who knows? You know, some people are crazy, these recreational players. So I have no problem betting here. I mean, I, I'd bet like, I don't know. I'd probably bet like 60 bucks here just to get some money out there. Um, 
if a, a flush draw wants to call that, I guess, but maybe 70, maybe 80. I don't know. But I, I think I would bet into this. I really do. Well, here's the thing. If I'm going to bet, I'm going to over bet, I think. I want to put some doubt in people's minds that that I'm more vulnerable than I really am, I think. So if I'm going to bet this, I think it's going to be like 70, 80, something yeah. kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Make it look like I have a, like a naked jack or something and I want people out and, and maybe like lure somebody in on that. Um, but I'm also fine with checking here under the understanding that I, I'm taking a risk and I'm not going to double down on that if a diamond comes um, or some other card comes that makes it look a little bit more difficult for me. Because um, I think the problem with betting here is that you've got you know, two razors preflop in this hand. You've got seven other people. Um, a bet kind of looks a little fishy, right? It almost is like turning your hand up and say, hey, I've got a four here. Yeah. Which is why I think if you're going to bet, you need to make it bigger so that it is less. It makes it look less likely that you're betting with a four and more likely you're betting with a jack. Well, do you think that's true? I, think, I want you to rethink about that for a second. Now, if, if, if you had a four, would you – if you didn't have a four, would you be confident enough to bet a ton into a pot where everyone's limped? Anyone can, can limp with ace, four hearts. A lot of fours could be out there. Would you really be that confident to bet that much without a four in your hand? So aren't you putting your face up that you have a four? Um, I, I don't think because we're, we're at a one-two game here. So, and again, I'm not trying to pile on to the fact that one-two players are not as sophisticated. But let's be honest. I mean, we're, we're not, not. I consider myself a one-two player, right? Right, but Vic's in this game. So there's other Vic's in the game. They're not all recreational uh, bumpkins. So I'm just saying, if I if there's no way into a full table that you can make a big bet on that flop without being confident that you have that four. I mean, that or someone doesn't have the four. That's a that's a ballsy bet if you don't have a four into a full table of limpers, other than one player. You know, I I well, just I mean, I mean my my preference is to check this and be cautious with the rest of the hand and take my chances with diamonds not getting there or letting maybe somebody else bet this hand, which is, is possible. Yes. We had a, a raise and a re-raise from two people left to act on this hand with seven other people. So I I, I, I have really no fear that this is going to check all the way around. There is going to be money that's going to be put in this pot on this street somewhere, and it could be raised, uh, raised as well, too, before it gets back to us. So this is, this is not one of those options where you feel like you have to bet your own hand. I, I'm confident somebody else is going to bet my hand for me here. Okay. Um, now, it may not be enough to discourage a flush draw to get out or anything like that, and then, you're right, I could check raise, but even a check a check raise at that point is clearly showing people turning my hand up. At that yeah, point. Yeah. So I don't think I want to do that. <clears throat> but it is possible that there's going to be a sizable bet made here or maybe a raise, and that's, that's fine. And then my hand is hidden to some degree. I mean, obviously, if I'm a small blind and there's a bet and a raise, and then I just call when it comes back to me. People are going to have to wonder what I have, right? Um, right. Though, if I'm the last one to call, which is probably what's going to happen, um, it could look like a flush draw that I'm calling with, right? So there's still a little bit of mystery involved there. Um, but I, that's why I'm inclined just to check here. and Because I, 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 I do think that if you bet, it has to be a pretty big bet to throw some misdirection in there and and you're right you know with seven people in here you're probably not going to misdirect all seven of them so 
if and if you're if we are confident someone would bet, I don't mind the check raise. I mean, it, it's well, that's what I'm asking. I mean, what yeah. do you think? I mean, we got seven people behind with a bet, uh, two people that raised. So, yeah, somebody may bet because you said we had an under, we had an under the gun raiser to seven, and then we had the big blind raising. I guess the worry I really have is that the big blind has Jack Jack. That's my biggest worry right now. But I don't think seventeen was enough for him to have because if you have Jack Jack, it's vulnerable. You're going to want to bet more yeah, than seventeen. So I guess he doesn't have that. Maybe he has. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing that ten bet with. That's that's confusing to me. To make it seventeen now, I really don't know what hand does that in this pot. So, um, but I do think someone's going to put some money out. You're right. So maybe I do check raise and just take it down. I know it's face up, but hey, try to beat my three fours. You know, what I mean, well, you know, it depends on how much. I mean, if it is bet and then raised and it gets to us at that point, yeah, I, I'm happy. With the I'm pot. happy with the amount of money. Yeah, because the pot's already pretty big anyway. It's already 130. It's you know, forty, fifty dollar bet that we had to call, then that's a little different story. Um, but we don't know, so we'll see. But maybe we do the check. Let's let's. I don't know. I mean, if we're confident someone's going to bet, I'm checking. If we think these guys are all the limping type and they might just see that four four and be scared of it, and they all check, I'm a little nervous to that. So if I'm confident someone's going to bet, I'll check raise if it's the right amount. If if I think that they're all going to limp and let a free card come and a diamond's going to fall. I might put some money out there. So it just depends on how I feel about it. All right. See what happens. Uh, Fix says any one of these players might hold the other four with the way this hand has progressed. Oh, that's another point, too. Yeah. Uh, someone may have even flopped a boat. I decided to check to see what happens. If the big blind three bet with an overpair, then I might have them trapped. I check, and it's checked through to the under the gun plus one player, who was the older player I recognized from the hand previously. He bets $30. The villain from the previous hand is next to act and moves all in for $61. And it's folded to us. Um, I forget what happens here. We're allowed to raise again, right? Even though yeah, that guy's... so uh, he actually goes in to say this, that uh, he says, I'm aware that the $61 raise will reopen the betting to the initial better who has squiggly 135 behind. Right. I- I'm just going to shove. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that fifty dollar guy out, and I'm gonna isolate the other guy who shoved with his diamond draw, or his ace jack again. <laughs> Be hilarious, the guy at ace jack again. Oh, um, right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I'm just I have no problem shoving now. I'm the big stack of the table. It doesn't look like the guys behind me are gonna do anything, especially since the guy in the big blind checked. So unless he has jack jack and he's checking because he he's got us just annihilated. You know, I don't know how much that guy has in his stack, but I probably would just shove here now to isolate. Yeah, it's a good question. That's that's the only concern with the shove is whether he was sitting there with Jack Jack and hoping that this was going to happen. Because you know the same analysis that we did, I'm sure that guy's going through right. Yeah. Gotta, although it's a little less likely because he's one of the people that should be betting. Um, but we did say pre-flop. Why would he only make it ten dollars more with a vulnerable Jack Jack hand in an open table like that? So I'm just going to eliminate Jack Jack from his holding, and if he has it, he tricked the hell out of me. But I don't see anybody with Jack Jack just making it ten dollars more when everyone and his neighbor called preflop. Uh, I think he would bet more than ten to thin that field. So I'm going to eliminate Jack Jack. I'm going to shove. Okay, I think I got to agree here. So guess we'll see what happens. Um, Fix says our two pre-flop races are in the big blind and under the gun still to act and he says yes I flopped trips but with a six kicker I don't like my kicker but any jack or diamond draw is likely to have bet on this flop especially considering the size of the pot 
I'm not folding to the villain who bet 61 since he was the same player who overvalued his ace jack on the previous hand. If he has a bigger four, so be it. It's only $61. I decided to raise to 120 and get heads up with the villain. Okay, so the guy who bet 50 is the villain? Uh, well, yeah, that's he. Has, I haven't explained what happens yet. yet but okay. his, he decides to raise in hopes of getting heads up with the villain. How's that? That's okay, better. yeah. That's 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 fine. I mean, I I guess so. If it, if it accomplishes the same thing at the shove, well, would. still it's 120 cold to everyone else, right? Right. So you got to think of it that way. I mean, it doesn't have to be a massive bet here. Um, it's still 120 cold to everyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fine. That's a good enough bet. If if it's a good enough bet to to get your heads up with the guy or, or isolate the guy that went all in, I'm fine with that. You can get your refund and then. Well, let me ask you this, too. The other thing, we're worried about the big blind, you know, having uh, the boat. Now, I know you kind of dismissed it, right? Yeah. And you're probably right. But let's think for a minute of whether it's still possible. This is kind of an interesting solution to that concern, isn't it? Because now we, we've raised it, again, like I said, to 120 colts. So if everybody else doesn't have anything, then it doesn't matter. If he does have jack-jack, though, he's probably just going to call our raise, right? Because mm. what what is he really worried about on this board? Well, he's confident one of us has a four now, and he's going to get some. The other one guy's all in. The other guy's got fifty. And but once he, as long as he knows that we're going to not go anywhere because we probably have a four, he's probably going to shove now to get all of his money in because he knows the six hundred dollar guy is going to pay him off. And then because where where are we going if that guy shoves now? We got three fours. Are we really going to lay it down? Mm, I don't know. Especially if it's only like another 100 bucks more. Who knows? Yeah, I guess I was thinking that, you know, maybe he'll just call the 120 and think we have it on the ropes. And then, you know, that gives us a chance to potentially get out of this hand if it gets more difficult. But that the, the tough part about that is we're first to act, so we're going to have to make a sizable bet on the next street anything else. That kind of dismisses everything. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just talking out loud. Yeah, let's see what happens though, because I I think that's enough to get the big blind out. If it's not, I don't I still don't put him on Jack Jack because of that pre flop thing. But go ahead. Uh, okay, it's folded uh, to the initial better who immediately folds. Yeah. The villain asks, "Are you there? Do you have a full house?" Doesn't sound promising, and I don't reply. At two eighty one in the pot, and all betting complete. The dealer completes the board. Uh, four diamonds, Jack of diamonds, four of hearts. Eight of diamonds, jack of hearts. Oof. He says, not the best run out. I table my 6-4 for the small boat, and my opponent tables the seven of hearts, seven of diamonds. <laughs> what? The old gentleman who isn't too happy uh, when he sees the final board, I'm guessing he had a jack. Wow. See, that's the other thing, too. Is that's, that's what was good about that raise or the shove that we would have done, is that you're getting that jack to say, eh. And now the jack could have caught up. So that's another thing I forgot about to think about, too, is that the jack could catch up. So you got him out. Yep. Wow. 7-7. Seven, seven. Boy, that guy's really bad. Hey, invite him to our home game. He's got to be in Florida, right? So. That's right. Well, a little farther away. As far away in Florida as he can get. <laughs> so what? He'll, we'll pay for his flight. <laughs> we'll get him both Greyhound tickets. Come on. Wow. Man. Has Vic ever lost a hand in hand of the week? I can't remember. Uh, he has. I'm pretty he sure has. he has. Oh, okay. Because he wins a lot of them. But we're grateful that he sends him in. So, wow, interesting hand. It's the same, ends up being the same guy. That's awesome. 
Yeah. See that? You're pairing these hands of the week to make this is such an entertaining show now. It's almost like we thought this through. <laughs> All right. Well, like we said, uh, next week more hands of the week, and uh, we'll continue that for a couple more weeks, and then we'll be back to our regular show. On uh, well, it, we're recording on the 18th of May, but it'll be the May 19th show. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>